Let's turn in our Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, the epistle of our brother Paul to the church at Colossae. We have considered this morning that the Lord Jesus Christ was set up by God to reveal the thoughts of many hearts. Most of us heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. God shined in our hearts to receive it, see it, believe it. We believed it. We confessed him before men. We were baptized in his glorious name. If we've done those things and we did them sincerely, I hope, then there should be an effect in our lives. And the apostle is going to appeal to that. How important is the Lord Jesus Christ to you and are you living for him? What think ye of Christ? Now Jesus added, whose son is he? And they said, the son of David. He said, well, if he's the son of David, then why did David call him Lord? He is the son of God and he's David's God and David's Lord. Matthew chapter 22. We don't want to be thinking at the moment about that theological truth about Jesus Christ. We want to be thinking about Does Jesus Christ excite our souls, liven our faith, and attract our minds, and govern our lives? Is he the basis on how we live? Do our actions indicate how much Jesus Christ means to us? Listen and follow these few verses and Paul's simple argument. Colossians chapter 3. Verses 1 through 4. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Thank you, Lord, for your precious word. What a day that shall be. When Jesus we shall see, because he will appear, and we shall appear with him in glory. But the character of those that verse 4 describes is found in verses 1 through 3. Let's take it clause by clause quickly. If ye then be risen with Christ. Now we are risen eternally by God's decrees. We're risen legally by being in Jesus Christ, chosen there before the world began. We're there vitally because Ephesians chapter 2 says, And you hath he quickened and raised up together and made to sit together in heavenly places. But that is not Paul's argument right here. He uses the word, if ye then. Then is appealing to something that he's already said. And it's found back in chapter 2, verse 12, and it's baptism. When we were baptized, we came up out of that water in a resurrection, like the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that we were going to rise to walk in newness of life. Let's go back to 2.12 and see what Paul is appealing to. 
Colossians 2.12. Buried with him in baptism. How many of the world's two billion Christians can say that? Only 5% at the most. Because only we practice immersion, which buries believers. Buried with him in baptism. Our baptism has a burial and it has a resurrection. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. We are buried with him in baptism, wherein also, that is, in baptism, we are also raised with him through the faith of the operation of God. Our belief in the gospel and doctrine of the operation of God in sending Jesus Christ into this world who died for us, was buried, and then rose again the third day according to the scriptures for our sins, and he sits on God's right hand in heaven forevermore. We believe that. That's the faith of the operation of God. God did those things with Jesus Christ, and we were baptized. When we heard those things, we believed those things. We had faith in them. And we were baptized in a picture of Jesus' burial and the resurrection of Jesus. That's what baptism is. There was a time in the lives of most all of you that you sincerely, I hope, told a man of God and told the people of God that you love the Lord Jesus Christ. That you believe God had sent him into this world to die for you. He was buried for you and he rose again for you. And you were going to bury your old man to rise to walk in newness of life in obedience to him. You confessed that you were dead to sin and you were going to show it by burying your sins. To rise to live for Jesus Christ just as God raised him from the dead. Baptism is a wonderful ordinance. But it's no ordinance at all when they corrupt it by taking away the condition of believing and the mode of immersion. Thank you, Lord, for the truth about baptism. And by the grace of God, we'll never compromise it. Nor will we fellowship any who want to compromise it. It is a heresy to believe in infant sprinkling. It's a contradiction of the gospel. It's a defilement of the gospel. It has no gospel in it. We were buried with him in baptism, and we were raised with him in baptism. We practically believed everything that Luke 2 told us about Jesus and the rest of the gospel message as well, that Jesus was buried and rose again for our sins, and we were buried to be like him because we were going to bury our sins, and we were going to rise to live for him in a new life. Remember the pictures of burial and resurrection. We bury our old man, we rise to walk in a new life. We were buried just like Jesus was buried for us. We rise out of that water just as surely as we believe in his resurrection. You may find me dead someday and bury me, but I believe that Jesus will come back for me and raise me up out of the ground. We believe all that in the doctrine of baptism, and they have nothing by their picture for what we have in the burial and resurrection of baptism. That is what he's appealing to. As he, as he proceeds through the rest of chapter 2, he comes to verse 20 and he says, Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ. And when did we declare that we were dead with Christ? At our baptism. 
Then we come to verse 1 of chapter 3. If ye then be risen with Christ. We are risen with Christ because we believe God raised him from the dead. And we were buried and raised from water to show that we believe that. To show by a picture of burial and resurrection that we had good consciences and we wanted to answer God for what he had done for us. I love the doctrine of baptism. I'm thankful to be a Baptist. And it's no denominational label. It is a verity of the word of God. Men have given their lives for our doctrine of baptism. And if you stand up for our doctrine of baptism, you'll take some heat yourself, even in this politically correct generation. Stand up for this doctrine and condemn the false ideas of baptism. Go ahead and stand in the minority of 5% and condemn the 95% that they have no baptism at all. You'll find out just how much they hate the truth about baptism. Because they can't have their pretty little ceremonies with their little babies in their christening gowns. We are risen with Christ. We heard of Simeon. We heard of Jesus. We heard of the angels announcing his birth. We believed it. We repented of our sins. We said he is indeed the son of God. We believed it with all our heart, like the Ethiopian eunuch. We saw water. We said, I'm ready to be baptized. And we were baptized in his glorious name. We came up out of that water, and that water was a picture Jesus rose, I am rising with him. I believe in his resurrection, and I have a resurrection of my own. The old man is buried, the new man is coming out of the water. Do you hear me, Amanda? Do you hear me, Esther? Do you hear me, Charity? Do you hear me, all the rest of you children that think about baptism? Think on these things. Ask your father about these things. Baptism is a picture of a burial and a resurrection. And it's got three different messages to tell you. And we believe all three. If ye then be risen with Christ, if that's true, and we've done this, seek those things which are above. It ought to affect our lives. Brethren, if we are not seeking those things which are above, then we are trampling on our own baptism. And if we are trampling on our baptism then we are trampling on what we once said we believed, that Jesus died and was buried and rose again for our sins. If ye then be risen with Christ, if you meant, meant your baptism, if you meant what you did when you were baptized, then you ought to seek those things which are above. Why? Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. If you believe... That Jesus is the Son of God and rose from the ground and ascended into heaven. And you said you believed that when you were baptized. Then if we really believe that, we're going to be seeking those things where he is because we're saying that we're risen with Christ. Our thoughts should be in heaven. Our heart should be in heaven. Our desires should be in heaven. Our ambition should be in heaven because that's where Jesus is, seated at the right hand of God, presently enjoying all the blessings of heaven, and we should have our hearts there with him. Seek those things which are above. What things are above? What things are above? The Lamb of God is there. So we should be seeking the Lamb of God. Praise is there. So we should love praising the Lamb of God. Holiness is there. So we should be living a holy life. Worship. Righteousness, peace.
peace, unity, truth, glory, spiritual mindedness, joy, Christ, God, the general assembly of all saints. Our thoughts should be there. You and I have a war that we fight every hour. We fight it in the pew and we fight it in the pulpit. The world and our flesh and the devil tries to take us off our baptismal commitment. Our baptism commitment was, this world is nothing, and I'm burying it right now. I am dying to this world, and I'm burying my life to rise, to live for the Lord Jesus Christ, who is a resurrected, a reigning, and a returning Savior. We said that. We believed it. But if we are not seeking the heavenly things that He is now enjoying, we're not truly putting our baptism into practice, and we're frauds as Christians. Lord, help us. This is an appeal to baptism. Paul did it more than once. You know, over there in 1 Corinthians 15, 29, when he's dealing with the resurrection of the body, he appeals to their baptisms. If you people don't believe in the resurrection of the body anymore, why are you still practicing baptism by immersion? If there is no resurrection of the dead, what value does baptism have other than a picture of death? If there's no resurrection of the dead, he appeals to baptism to get your attention. These were baptized believers, were baptized believers. We heard Simeon's delight in holding the child Jesus and blessing God for him. Do you delight in the Son of God? Jesus is in heaven at the right hand of... Listen, you can't hold him in your arms anymore. He may, in his great mercy and love that he has shown toward all of us, let you get a hold of his ankles someday. I want a place at his ankles. I want to hold those ankles of the Son of God, the Lord of glory, the King of kings, my brother, my high priest, my friend, my Savior, my Lord. We said all that when we were baptized. We wanted that. Well, if that was true, then let's live for him every day. And how do we live for him? Seek those things which are above. What's up there? Praise. Do you love to praise the Lord Jesus Christ? Jesus is up there. Right. Do you love to adore him now and to speak of him now and to read about him now? Do you love to read about Jesus Christ ascending back into heaven? Do you love to read Revelation chapter 5 and to see a glimpse into that throne room of God and have the line of the tribe of Judah arrive? Does that delight your soul? Do you read about it from time to time? Do you listen to Handel's Messiah pounded out? Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. And then a five-minute amen, because that's about as long as your heart wants to say it. Amen! Or, are you seeking things here? The Word of God is not all that complicated. These are not difficult verses. If ye then be risen with Christ... If you've been baptized and professed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is a risen Savior, then you ought to be seeking the things that He's dealing with. And He's dealing with the presence of God right now, in glory, holy, free from sin, separate from sinners, undefiled. That's how we want to be living, thinking, reading, believing. Do you believe that, Lewis? Have you been baptized, young man? You know I know. Someday I'll forget. I haven't yet. I want that for you, Lewis. If ye then be risen with Christ, 
Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Our Jesus is no longer here. He's not in a manger. He's not at a door in a garden, knocking and begging for entrance. And he's not on a crucifix. He's on the throne of glory. Brethren, he's on the throne of glory. Do you love that, Savior? He did come into this world as an infant. He was called the Holy Child Jesus. Let me just tell you something about the Bible. We, we don't sing away in a manger. But Jesus was once laid in a manger. But do you know when those words are used, the Holy Child Jesus? They were used twice in one prayer in Acts chapter 4. And do you know what that prayer was all about? That prayer was, Lord, bring Psalm 2 to pass. Yes, right. Amen. <laughs> oh, thank you, brethren, for knowing Psalm 2. Do you all know Psalm 2? Amen. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. Right. The Lord shall laugh and have them in derision. Those apostles came back from being beaten and told they couldn't preach in the name of Jesus Christ. They had a prayer meeting and they called in the name of thy holy child Jesus because he was once a child but now he's a king and they prayed for him to bring to pass Psalm 2 on crushing their enemies and giving them support in preaching the gospel in spite of the law against it. And do you know what it says about that prayer meeting? The place shook where they were assembled and they went forth and preached boldly and the church was multiplied. Now, if you want to sing away in a manger in the middle of that scene, maybe you can get away with it. That is how the Bible speaks of the holy child Jesus in the past tense. It knows where he is. He's on a throne and to fulfill Psalm 2. Brethren, Jesus Christ is at the right hand of God. Our baptism said that we knew that. And if we're risen with him to be different from this world, to be dead to our sins, let's seek those things which are above the praise of God. The holiness of heaven, the righteousness of that place, the love and the unity and the peace in that place. Do you think the spirits of just men made perfect are up there arguing, quarreling, fighting, bitter against each other? Think again. That's been eradicated. They left that behind them in their fleshly bodies that are dotting the countryside of this and all nations. If he then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Go after God's kingdom, Christ's reign, the truth of the gospel, the worship of God, the praise of the Lamb. Go after those things. Your baptism said you were going to. If you're not doing it, you're thumbing your nose at your baptism and the Savior to whom you were baptized. You say, well, I just don't have much of a desire to seek those things. Then read verse 2. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. The Lord is so honest with us. He knows we have, we're have we double-minded men, double-minded women. We love the things down here. We love the things in heaven. The truth be told, we usually love the things down here more than the things of heaven. Do you know what he tells us to do? Set your affection up there. If you're not seeking those things in verse 1, it's because your love is in the wrong place. And love is not something for you to wait to happen to you. Love is something you choose to do right now. Every single one. I want to love him more. I want to love him more. I do. I do. I do. You just sing it and mean it. 
set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. They're pulling at us. The things of this earth. A spouse, a friend, a marriage, a job, a home, a car, a position, money, wealth, promotion, a vacation, a trip, an event. The Lord doesn't deny us those things. He is so gracious. It's the perfect law of liberty. However, our affection should be on things above. And we set it there. Every day is a choice. I am going to love the things of heaven more today than the things of this earth. I'm going to make that choice. How do we show it? Time. Do you know how fast we can waste hours of time watching some stupid men in uniforms run around and club each other for a weird shaped ball? There's no one in here that has a flesh that loves it more than I do. What do you love the most? Do you know how fast you can waste three hours, three and a half hours watching a televised football game? You're not doing a thing. You're just sitting there getting fatter and older. You're you're thinking that if they cut you loose and let you out of the locker room, you go out there and show them a thing or two. No, they'd step on you in the first play. But whatever you think about it, you know, today, probably one of the greatest football games of the entire season is going to be played. And I have grieved over it for days with the buildup for this football game today. Right. What would I rather do? I ask you, but I'll say it for me. What would I rather do? Would I rather watch that with friends and food on one of these new giant screen DLPs or LCDs? Would I rather be in the house of God and hear about Simeon right. picking up? a little 40-day-old baby, and saying, Behold, Lord, now let thy servant depart in peace, for I have seen thy salvation. Where is my heart? Where is my heart? My flesh loves that as much as anyone in here. But my spirit despises it, that it shouldn't even come in competition with the things of the Lord. Seek those things which are above. How do you do it? I will love the things of heaven more than the things of earth. I will make that incredibly secondary. I will make everything of heaven primary. I will choose to do that. I will monitor my time. Listen, you can watch as much football as you want if you'll read the Word of God and pray and meditate an equal amount of time. Go for it. I can't wait to see you after three and a half hours on your knees with the Word of God. You'll be a brother that I'll want to embrace. It sucks up the time so fast. Our jobs, our hobbies, our spouses, our marriages, our friends. Set your affection on things above. I want holiness more than anything else. I want praise more than anything else. I want the love of Christ more than anything else. Set your affection. Set it. Don't wait for it. If you say, I just don't know why I don't love the Lord as much as I used to. Do you know people actually ask that? I don't know why I'm so dull. It must be, yeah, oh, there's always an answer. It must be the pastor. He don't preach like I thought he was going to. He doesn't preach the way he used to. 
I have a big enough burden carrying me than carrying anyone else. It ain't the pastor. Well, the singing just doesn't move me anymore. That's not our fault. We're getting better. You have a problem. You know, the blame always goes somewhere else. Well, the church just ain't as friendly. Friendliness, singing, and preaching doesn't dictate your love of Christ. You dictate your love of Christ. Set your affection on things above. You've let things slip. We do it and every, every marriage needs it. Every friendship needs it. A recommitment. I'm going to love that person. I'm going to love them the Bible way. I'm going to choose to love them. I'm going to think of something special to do right now. Think of something special to do today for the Lord Jesus Christ. Give him a sacrifice. Flush Peyton and Brady and choose Jesus. You Christian enough? You'll be asked about it in a day that's coming, and it won't be me. I'm a little pipsqueak. The Lord Jesus Christ will ask you. Where was your heart? What did you really love? I saw your boredom, your dozing, your talking, your thinking about other things. While Simeon was being presented to you, and yet you got so excited, so animated, so intense about a stupid football game. Or job, or house, or anything else that gets our attention. Right. Set your affection on things above. It's a choice. Love is not something that happens to you. Love is something that you make happen by choosing it. Right. Choose to love the things of heaven. Set, get your affection up there. Get them out of this earth. Choose praise, love. Love of Scripture, love of Christ, love of God, worship, holiness, the things of heaven that will mark it for all eternity. And put these other things down here in a subordinate way out of your life and do not let them compete. The Lord's merciful. But He wants our hearts. He wants 100% of our hearts. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. Not part of it. Or not your heart until there's something that competes with it that comes up, but the Lord gets all of it. It's a choice. Verse 3, for ye are dead. When we were baptized, we told the Lord, all those things that distract us, we're burying them. We're dead to the world. I love Paul's expression. God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world... Is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. They don't understand me because I'm totally different from them, and I can't stand them because I'm totally different from them. I am crucif- We're crucified in both directions. We're dead to the world. They think we're nuts. The world's dead to us because we think they're nuts. But we know better. They are nuts. You know what Solomon said about their, nut- their nuttiness? They're spending their entire lives in a treadmill that never satisfies and it's vain and vexation of spirit. And then it spits them off into hell. What an existence. We get to have the, the affection of things in heaven and the joy of things in heaven now. Take the best things of this world and end up in heaven. Is that, is that a good deal to you? And it was free. It was free. Jesus paid for it with the precious blood that he shed on the cross of Calvary for us. Ye are dead. How are we dead? We are dead by our profession. 
We chose to be baptized and bury our old man. You're dead to sinful things. You're dead to sinful things. You're dead to sinful things when a person is baptized. I'm burying that sin. I'm not going to live that way any longer. Ye are dead. When it says, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. And then it says, for ye are dead. It's because those things on this earth no longer have their appeal to us because we're dead to them. We crucified ourselves. You know, it's going to go on to say here in the next few verses for the rest of the chapter, mortify therefore. Since we've already declared that we're dead to the things of sin and the things of this world, it goes on to say, mortify therefore the members that are in your flesh. And it begins to list sins that we're to put to death. Mortify means to put to death. If you're mortal, that means you die. If you go to a mortician, that means you're dead. When you mort- To mortify something means to put it to death. And these are things to put to death. The things of this earth. Because we're dead to them. We've said we're dead. Jesus died to save us from them. And we should turn our backs on them. And set our affection on heaven. And it's a choice. And God the Holy Spirit will bless that choice. And will give you conviction and zeal and energy and power and strength in your inner man, if you make that choice and then choose to mortify some of those deeds of the flesh and choose the things of heaven. If you're in the flesh, if you're in the flesh and you just go home and pop open the Bible and say, I'm going to read the Bible instead of watching a football game, you're going to chafe and hate it because you're in the flesh. Confess your wickedness of having loved the things of this world more than the things of heaven. Get down on your knees and beg God to give you strength and ask for his Holy Spirit. He will take away the love of Peyton Brady and give you the love of Jesus Christ. The two should never enter the same universe of your heart. Two blessed men that are pagans by every action. They have no regard for the God of heaven. I'm sorry for those of you that know nothing about the NFL. That's just too bad. Because I have another audience here that knows exactly what I'm talking about. They muster all the strength they can. All the strength they can. Get their fingers placed just right on that pigskin. And if they're lucky, they get it 60 yards. 65 yards. My Lord Jesus Christ... He made the stars also. They think third down and 12 is a real accomplishment. My Jesus hung on the cross of Calvary. They put him in a tomb and sealed it. Oh, no. And sealed it with Pilate's seal, signet. But he tore the bars away and came out of the grave. I'll take my hero. The Lord Jesus Christ to yours any day. Keep them in their proper place. One is the vanity of this world. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And we confess that when we were baptized. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. It's hit. No one else can see our lives. They don't understand what makes you tick. You know what makes us tick? The Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of the living God makes us tick. 
Our life is hid with Christ. It's all wrapped up in Jesus Christ. We don't care if we live in a cottage in this world. We don't care if we drive an old vehicle. We don't care if we have a job that we just get by with. We don't care if we have poor health. Because none of that really matters. Our life is hid with Christ. We know that a day is coming in which we'll live in a mansion, not a cottage. We'll not be eating cheap fare, but the best of heaven. We will be enjoying the pleasures of God forever. God himself, joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. How in the world can we be a joint heir? How in the world can a will and a covenant and testament be opened up to show us equal heirs of God in heaven with Jesus Christ? That is the grace of God. I can't explain it beyond that. The Bible doesn't try to explain it. It's just unbelievable. Paul said, I saw things that were not lawful to utter. Wow! That's where our affection should be. Because we're dead to this world. And our life, oh, we're alive. Now here's the problem. If you're sitting there this morning and you're saying, I don't feel very alive. I hear everything you're saying. It sounds good. And I know there's some people like you're describing in our church. I don't feel that way. That's your fault. Right. That's not the truth's fault. And that's not the fault that the things of heaven aren't better than the things of earth because they are. It's your fault. You've been feeding the wrong man. You've been feeding the old man. And if you feed the old man, you quench and grieve the spirit of God. And you lose that powerful force in your life that loves the things of heaven. And all of a sudden they become dull and dim to you. If you will get down on your knees and confess to God that you have forsaken his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and not given him the attention and affection and service that you should have, he will give you that back. And he doesn't have to give it back to you in one second of time. He may want to see if you have any sincerity in seeking him. Go read the Song of Solomon. And see that that lover can come to the door and move that doorknob. And it'll turn your bowels. But then he'll disappear to make to see if you will come and pursue him. Will you pursue the Lord Jesus Christ? Will you seek him? He will give you a love for the things of heaven that will put all the things of earth in the shade. But if you feed the flesh, the things of heaven will seem very boring to you. This preaching seems terrible to you. The difference is all in you. The things of heaven are far superior to the things of earth. What comparison do you want to make? We could make them all day long in the things of heaven. There is no comparison. No comparison. But you know why you think there's a comparison? Because you fed your old man. Flush that old man and his stuff and choose the things of heaven. This is what the text is saying. And if you've been baptized, if you're a real Christian, do you know what most churches do? You got baptized? Okay. We'll put your name down. You're a Christian. That ain't in the Bible. If you're a Christian, you'll do this. You'll seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth in the right hand of God because your mind's in heaven with your Savior. You'll set your affection on those things. You won't set your affection on the things down here. You won't be building yourself up and getting yourself excited for some stupid football game. The world's going to do everything in its power to do so. The world assaults us all the time for relationships, love, Love's the most important thing to find, it tells us. Love. They don't even know what love is. Right. It's less to them. And it leaves men with broken men and women with broken hearts, broken homes, messed up lives, and totally discouraged and hopeless, so they blow their brains out. There is no human love that will ever provide a satisfaction for your soul. There is the love of Christ that will provide satisfaction for your soul. Amen. 
It's a choice. You know, if you're risen with, if you're baptized, you know what the Bible says? He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. It, it assumes real belief and a real baptism shall be saved. If you're risen with Christ in a real baptism based on real faith, seek those things which are above. Love those things that are in heaven. Don't love the things on earth. You're dead to those things. Your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. How do you know you're saved? I get asked that all the time. How do I know I'm one of God's elect? It's easy. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ sincerely. Be baptized sincerely and change your life by the grace of God. Live for him. Love for him. Love the things of heaven. When he shall appear, you shall appear with him in glory. That is Matthew, Mark 16, 16, explanified. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. When Christ, who is our life, he is our life. He fought death. He fought death and took it on and defeated it. He took the Lord deserting him. He took the best this world could, could dish out against him. They blindfolded my Savior and punched his lights out. And said, if you're the son of God, if you're a prophet, if you're the king of Israel, then tell us who just hit you. And he didn't say a word. If I'd have been the Lord of glory, I'd have said a few words. I'd have called for those 12 legions of angels. Don't ever put me in that kind of a situation. Because I'd call for them and I'd unleash them. And you know how many it would take? One on holiday to have wiped out the whole world. That's what he did. That's worthy of your attention. When Christ, who is our life, he has gained everything for us. Eternal life, eternal blessings, glory, the inheritance of God in heaven, the riches of heaven, his presence forever. And he even gives that to us now. All these blessings. He is our life. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Where? In glory. Ever been in a football stadium 30 minutes after the game's over? There ain't no glory. All a bunch of confetti, spit out popcorn, dirty diapers, all sorts of garbage and trash. There ain't no glory in this world. Ever seen a football player 20 years after he retired? He's got breasts. He doesn't have pecs. It's the course of life. Everything went south. You all listening? You all know that, don't you? You know, they die just as... No, they don't. They die a little sooner. They ate too much and lived too hard and only had anaerobic exercise in their lives. They usually die younger. Go look it up. There is no glory. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Glorified bodies where pecs are pecs forever. And I don't mean that. Our bodies are forever. They are immortal. Mortality is swallowed up of immortality. That is worth living for. Can you, do you all believe in the total depravity of man and the total depravity of your flesh? I do. Do you know what the strongest testimony to me is next to scripture? How hard it is for me to believe and live and think and apply 
what I'm telling you every minute of my life. Right. It is so easy to get distracted with the vanity of this world. Doesn't that say to you something about yourself? It tells me I am one messed up fool if it weren't for the grace of God. I have to hold on to that Bible as the anchor for my soul. That this is truth, it's the only truth, and only Jesus Christ ever lived the truth like it should be lived, and Lord have mercy on me. That's simple enough, isn't it? Do you understand those four verses? I would hope anyone in here could go teach them to another. Your baptism said that you were going to live a resurrected life. Now let's live it. And if we live a resurrected life, there's a resurrection coming. Right. And that resurrection that's coming is going to annihilate anything you thought was pleasant, pleasurable, fun, wonderful in this life. And it's going to give it to you forever in the next life with no pain attached, no price attached, because the Lord of glory has purchased it for us. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Simeon's baby is on the right hand of God. He's coming for us soon. Will he find you? with your life hid in him, dead to this world, seeking those things which are above. Lord, help you. Lord, help me do that. Amen. Amen.